0: Hello, this is Tonts, a podcast of in-depth interviews about emotions and the way they shape our lives. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and I'm so glad you're here for season two. Each week, I speak to writers, activists, experts, thinkers, and deeply feeling humans about their stories. My guest today, Joanna Bennett, wears her insides on her outsides. Her poetry speaks to the heart of things, little things that are really big things. What it feels like to watch someone you birthed into the world sleep beside you. The stretchy long days of parenting through isolation during a pandemic. The low hum of irritation at the socks on the floor or the blinding sentimentality of your box of Christmas decorations stored somewhere in the back of the cupboard to be rifled through when the time is right. Joe writes in a way that makes sense to a sleep-deprived, addled, sometimes hormonal brain. <laughs> That's me. If you hadn't guessed. Her poetry gifts us fragments of womanhood and motherhood and aching love and the daily grind of parenting tiny humans. I first heard her poetry spoken about by Pandora Sykes on the Hilo podcast and very quickly ordered her 2020 book of poems called Tiny Lungs. Illustrated by her son, each group of words for me was a window into the heady mix that is parenthood, the fear, the exhaustion and the love. For me, poetry helps, especially when I'm bone achingly tired and overwhelmed or hormonal or just plain over everything. There's no pressure to finish a whole chapter, let alone a whole book. Poems can put your restless mind in touch with something bigger and brighter and deeper and wider than the dishes you're meant to be stacking in the dishwasher or the never-ending pile of clean washing, filling up baskets all over the house. Whether it's her words about the light on a sequin, or the heartbreaking simplicity of her poem Bones about grief and miscarriage and friendship, Joanna Bennett, or the poet Tatterhood, as she writes under, helped me through some of the isolation this pandemic and COVID-19 has brought over the last few years. We had second babies, daughters who want to eat wires and scale precipitous heights. It's from her poem "Wires" about parenting her daughter. And we had them about the same time in 2020. And while Jo lives in Bristol and I in Melbourne, her third book, These Are My Delicious Sandwiches, speaks into so much of what I felt being pregnant when the world was beginning to lock down and what that would mean for me, but also for my baby and our little family unit. Jo is exactly as warm and funny and honest as I hoped she'd be. And her voice leapt out at me across the internet airwaves late at night in our backyard studio. I read somewhere once that sometimes putting art into the world is like sending out a beacon to your people to say, Hello, here I am. Is anyone else out there feeling the same as me? And that's how I reckon it is with Jo. I hope you fall as much in love with her as I did during this conversation. A little more about Jo. In 2017, she was long listed for the Outspoken Prize for Poetry. And in the December, was commissioned by Gosh Arts to write a book for Great Ormond Street Hospital, which was subsequently turned into a film read by Rupert Everett. She is now the author of three books: Swimming Underwater, Tiny Lungs, and These Are My Delicious Sandwiches. Before we start, I wanted to give you a heads up that this conversation does include discussions of miscarriage, pregnancy loss, and infertility. So if you find these topics difficult, this one may not be for you, though in a big way, I found Joe's openness really healing and comforting. Here we are back again for Taunt Season 2. Let's kick it all off with all the feelings, and there are a lot in this one, with the delight of a human that is Joanna Bennett, Tatterhood.
1: Hello, Joe. How are you? I am so well. I'm so excited to be chatting with you, honestly. I can't tell you. It's a real, real pleasure for me.
0: Oh, thank you. Me too. I've been such a big fan of your
1: work. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, my goodness. So we've actually never met, have we? We've just kind of spoken over Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Just here and there. So I wanted to ask you how you got into writing poetry, because I actually don't really know much about you other than what I've gleaned from reading your poems.
1: Well, I think that I've always loved writing since being a very little girl. It's something that I just, it's my thing. I don't know if you have to have a thing, but I really love that as a creative outlet. And then the sort of Tatterhood writing came about when we had our first child, Arthur. And um, I was really struck at really similar age to our daughter now, around about 18 months. We went on a trip to Los Angeles and when we came back... The jet lag and the teeth and everything just kind of meant that sleep was very hard to get so in those times where you're just lying there for ages in the dark um, I was just trying to occupy my mind in a kind of pleasant way trying to own the time rather than feeling frustrated at sort of this time spent where things weren't quite working and I just was starting to write in my mind going through the experiences in my mind and then I would just jot them down onto paper when I got out of the darkened room Um, and I found it really 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 beneficial at that time to just work through those feelings because with the first child all these things were so different it's a difficult it's so I find extremely hard to vocalize that feeling of the challenge I was talking to someone about it yesterday because you don't at all want to be ungrateful you're you're loving the experience and you're delighted you know to have these wonderful children but there's just that feeling when things are just like it's just really difficult and it's so hard to describe. So I was just trying to work through those feelings and put them down onto paper. And that's where that all started, really. And then I just started sharing them through Instagram. I really came to Instagram properly when, I suppose, a couple of years before Arthur. But um, it was a real game changer in terms of making connections with other parents, really, and sharing those experiences. Yeah, because that's what
0: comes so strongly through every poem I read. I, I've, I found you through the high-low, and I, I ordered Tiny Lungs, and it kind of winged its way over from the UK to here, and that's what struck me so strongly. I have two little kids, and there's just so many poems that I've read, and particularly when we're going through this pandemic as well. That just mm-hmm. hit me so hard in my heart. One in particular I really loved. The first one, Bones. Oh yeah. Could you, before we get onto your current book that I also loved and I got a copy sent through the email, could you tell me about Bones and why you wrote that poem?
1: Yeah, Bones is such a like I think I said to you before we came onto this. There's such a chance that my emotions are going to be so high and low. But I think that's a good thing. Um, so <laughs> it Bones, is, it is. Yeah, <laughs> with phones, uh, without really realizing it, when we were trying to have our first child, so it's Arthur and Mabel, and Arthur was our third pregnancy, and then yeah, it was a bit difficult, but we didn't really think about it too much. It was a surprise when he um, when we were expecting him because it was after quite a lot of Christmas drinks. So because I thought we weren't expecting him, um, but that was that was all worked out well. But with uh, <laughs> when we wanted to come about and think about having another child a few years later things just didn't quite work out how I thought they would or how either of us thought they would. So Mabel is our 10th pregnancy. So we had a lot of miscarriages along the way. So Bones was really a way of trying to work out and process the thoughts of that pathway and the miscarriages and the things that were kind of going awry at that time because it's a very isolating experience to go through where I definitely a glass half full person. So I found myself when I was going through that, you're kind of like hey, everything's great. Everything's fine. Yeah. I'm doing that very English way of like, I am great. Um <laughs> you know when you're absolutely slowly falling apart and you know carrying on working when all these things are happening. But I think I found it so beneficial when people well just just them being there actually just people being there knowing that something wasn't quite right and just being there I was just really thankful for people and that was really just my way of expressing that and thinking of other people I knew that were going through things at the same time that were similar and just that like this is really difficult I know this is difficult I may not know quite what to say to you but I'm totally here and I'm gonna try and carry some of this for you and we'll get through it we don't quite know what that end pathway is going to be but whatever that is we'll we'll make it okay so that mm. is that's what came out of that one i remember i, was, uh, I wrote it in this room actually and it was a really really difficult time of like very confused time just not quite knowing when the narrative i remember just thinking like this isn't this isn't how i thought this part of the story was going to be and just trying to work with that and being like okay the hope the excitement thinking things are going to happen in a certain way but then getting quite far along thinking okay it probably isn't going to work out like that and and that's fine again. I'm um, just working through all of that. And I am so thankful to have that poem because with all of them, they just completely come out and there's probably not a huge amount of, um, I think about them for a really long time. And then when they actually write them, it's quite a quick process. And they put them down and then I'm like, huge relief and huge release to have done it. But I'm mm. so pleased to have done that one because it's been a huge and profoundly moving Experience for me that other people have found some comfort from that or shared it, uh, relating mm. to that experience of them, their own or a different experience that they're finding challenging.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I I've only had oh well, not only but I had one miscarriage that shocked me in its intensity that it happened to me. I had mm-hmm. I, it was with our second pregnancy yeah. and I was sort of floored and ended up on the floor. In, in an ambulance at like three o'clock in the morning and I just had never been prepared I felt for an experience like that even though I kind of heard the term miscarriage or yeah. you, you kind of hear it banded about like oh that could happen to you but I hadn't really thought about it being such a visceral experience what was that like because 10 miscarriages I'm so sorry
1: that's so hard well it's interesting that you said the phrasing there, where you said, "Oh, I've only had one," but one is hard. One is enough. One is the one. I think once you've had that one, and you're a different person. I don't, you know, I'm a huge supporter about talking about this, and I don't mean that to be like terrifying or worrying. To say like, you know, it's it's it, but the gravity around it should be honoured, and the, whoever's gone through it should be like, that was really hard. Um, I probably will say but yeah <laughs> um, okay. and that we need to honor that and be like you did such a great you know you have done so well to go through that and to to just say yeah like to give yourself the praise for that really and with 10 honestly when it got to about six we we're like okay well, we know what to do so um, I don't know <laughs> genuinely just had to like kind of keep some humor around it actually and I honestly the one the nine I mean it just sounds ridiculous talking about it really but I I just remember taking Arthur we went to a festival and I was just like I just knew it was happening but we were working and doing some stuff at festival and you're just like okay that's what happens and then we just get on with it but I also remember like thinking the first time it's like it's so painful (laughs) like it hurts so much and it was just like no one really mentions that like it's gonna really hurt like maybe just like here's some information this would be really helpful. Take these tablets, maybe sit down and do some of this. I don't know. I just think sharing those experiences without fear um, and just saying, you can, you'll be fine. It's going to be OK. But this is what you're going to have to go through. But again, it's. I really took on the experience of trying to have another one, I think. And I found that, for me, really helpful and that I read reams and reams of information about what might help. And, you know, some of it's just been saying like kind of like I don't know put your foot in a bucket at midnight and you know just trying to pick out the things which are going to be helpful and going to be useful and I was like okay we'll probably take on board some of that stuff I mean we went to see we went to um I have no qualms about being really honest about this because I hope that it will be helpful to people but we went to see um we went privately to see like if IVF might help us and um, I remember the chat was so matter of fact and again, I passed this information on to the people that may see him. And he was just like, nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, We will not even do IVF you because you're not going to get pregnant. And I remember having that meeting going like, okay. And in my head, I was like, I don't think you can tell me what to do. <laughs> so I remember just coming away going, no, I'm going to read about that bucket. I'm going to put both feet in that bucket. And I yes. think I really threw myself into the challenge. Um, but that's not to discredit the fact that from huge amounts of people it's not about how much work you put in at all. But for me, I found it beneficial and helpful to think about the things that I could just try and do. And someone advised me, they said, try everything you can. And then when it comes to time that you think you probably stop trying, then you've done everything and you'll be at peace with that. And we really genuinely did get to a place I think where I was like, yeah, um, I was within the, the recurrent miscarriage clinic here at our local hospital who are amazing. I was on a trial program with like um taking progesterone which I think was what led us to have a successful second pregnancy again I'm not sure about that but yeah I do think whether it's one or ten yeah I read on a form someone I'd had, had like 26 and you just think one or 26 it's just like geez it, it reinforces to me how incredible I believe women to be how they can oh. endure and share and support and that's with bones this is all that is like that is a poem of support and just saying like it's a shit club but it's a really supportive one. So just I suppose it's just my way of trying to take something positive out of that painful journey.
0: I guess because that poem Bones, I I felt that when I read it and you talked then just about womanhood in general, Mm. I found the journey of womanhood into motherhood, there are a lot of things that shocked me that I sort of hadn't realised that women had to take on. Yeah. What do you it's think about that?
1: <laughs> oh, well, it's quite a long chat I could have about that. Um, <laughs> do, that's what we're here for. That's yeah. what we're here for, Joe. Do share. Um, yeah, I think so. The journeys, oh, I think as well, the thing which I didn't realise was how important having a sense of humour would be and how it's just like, I mean, Mabel, has, I wanted to ask you, how old is your youngest now? She's 18 months. Amazing. So Mabel is nine, nineteen months. So she literally probably in the last four days has really switched on and like properly smash up everything. So Christmas tree. Why, why are we putting those up? Because it's literally like, oh, oh, <laughs> and my son is just like, you can hear him just like, Mabel, please don't. And he's just like trying to quietly do his stuff. So I think that thing about motherhood and womanhood that I didn't really realize was this kind of like need to learn some techniques to just calm down when this is like so intense and it's like everyone's just being themselves so no one's trying to be you know like a dickhead or anything everyone yeah. is literally living their life and <laughs> there's quite a lot of noise and there's a, a lot more noise than I expected um, but also embracing that and just trying to work some techniques to myself rather than just like I tend to let things build up, build up, build up and thinking like, you're six. Surely you can see that I'm struggling with this. And it's like, of course he can't because he's wonderful and he's being six. And I let things build up and build up. And I'm like, "Ah!" and I think I just need to try and like kind of like chill the things out of it and just be like, have another ultimate thing I think I learned with the motherhood thing is like have some expectations then throw them out the window as far as you can. Don't expect anything you think to happen to happen. So if you have any plans, put them in the bin. Um, If you want to go somewhere, you'll be late. I don't know. Just like it's just literally nothing is going to end up as you expected. And that's going to be okay. You know, that whole like, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's okay. It's so
0: interesting because we have kids pretty much the exact same age. So I have a son who's six and a daughter who's 18 months. Perfect. and we sort of were going to have kids a bit closer together and then I had that miscarriage and it took me a long time to build up to actually trying again because it was such a traumatic experience for me. But then I've ended up with this daughter who I would not change the world, but she is just a roller coaster of a human just like just sort of tumbling through our lives like and I read that poem from your beautiful new book these are my delicious sandwiches called glass ceilings and I just it just encapsulated my daughter to an absolute T do you mind if I read it
1: Could I read it? Oh, please do. That would be amazing. Uh, Thank you.
0: I'd love to read it for the listeners who might not have seen it on my Instagram, and then we'll talk about it a bit more. So, Glass Ceilings. My daughter wants to eat wires and scale the chairs to precipitous heights. My daughter likes to chew the spikes of wood on the table edge and reach for the fence with the sharpest point. She wants to traverse the lands that shout, not now, not yet, and pays no heed to, you shall not pass. There is no time for restricted areas, for stop, halt, for who goes there? My daughter wants to eat wires, and frankly, who am I to say no?
1: Why did you write that? Where did that come from? I think I know. Oh, it's so lovely hearing you read that. Thank you. Um, just, just before I say about it, I wanted to say I'm really sorry that you had that experience as well. I know it's really Thank difficult. Thank you. So that, glass ceilings, because Mabel – Miracle Mabel she's like we didn't know we were going to have her and she is so wild it's amazing it sounds like yours is too because yes. it's just and maybe it's because you have this gap that you forget and it's kind of a gift again because I'm like oh all right oh oh you're not there okay everything is like oh I mean because we thought Arthur was wild but she is like honestly like chewing it's like oh splinters in your mouth like now with the baubles it's like are they glass because she will chew them it's everything is so extreme and it's like pulling out the plug 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 in plug out on off on off and just like it's so extreme that you can't And I don't know if you're just busy at the second time so you're like trying to cook oh no don't do that and it's just like it, it, it's every day, and I just again trying to be like, okay, okay, who's had a takeaway again? Us, because it's just like we can't cook because you're eating everything that's like gonna kill you. So, um, yeah, I think that was it, but absolutely, again, in this room, we have quite a small house, hence why most things are written in this room. Um, but yeah, I remember just looking at her, and it was just like, you're just chewing that it's like so sharp. And I think I just gave in a bit, and I was like, well, A you're gonna keep doing it and like look at you (laughs) and she was then that's when she climbed a chair because she was trying to get to the door handle to get outside And it's like you go for it you go within reason you go for it you go for it within some safety bound you know with some health and safety applied but just like yeah we are told again going on to the womanhood I have to be like I've got a lot of anger about the um being held back a lot and about a certain type of white man um so I have to be really careful that someone that doesn't come out too awfully but I just think, yeah, you know, we're told so often what we can do, what we can't do. And it's just like, yeah, go on, you go. I'm here to support you the whole way, Mabel. You can do anything. My parents told me, you can do anything. We're here for you and we'll support you with anything. And it's given me so much, not necessarily confidence, but it's given me so much um, power behind my feet to fly. And I just want to empower both the children, and well, in fact, both of them absolutely equally to just get out there and do it. And I just think, yeah go on, Mabes, we're not going to stop you, unless it's really dangerous, Um, then we will, then we will stop you, but she is, and I love it, even my husband, who's like, you know, he's a skateboarder, Arthur goes skateboarding, they do pretty extreme stuff together, and even he is like, we thought she was going to be the quiet one, and she is wild, you know, finds a scooter, she's off, it's like, you're three months, what are you doing? Um, But yeah, I love that poem for that reason, to just be like, yeah. Mm. Just keep doing it, keep climbing, totally. keep doing stuff.
0: Yeah, my daughter bites through whole lemons, like through the rind to the juice and sucks the juice out. She will eat anything. She's like me, she loves food, is like voracious with her appetite for everything. And I want that for her too. I never, I don't want her to be, because I grew up with a wonderfully supportive family, but I absorbed a lot of external stuff about. Mm-hmm not wanting things too much, don't eat too much, don't desire things too much, limit yourself, be quieter. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe it was school. I don't know. What was your experience of that?
1: Well, yeah, it's interesting. I was reading so just this morning about schooling and how this, um, the, you know, the carpet idea where you sit on a carpet at the end of the day because they need to the children to be quiet for the story. And some, I was just reading this article this morning. It was about home education. And they were saying how to enable that to happen, the teacher might say to the child, throw your voice out the window to enable this quiet thing to happen. And obviously it's a means to an end, but that's kind of sad (laughs) because our voices are very important and it's that balancing act. And going back to your question, I went to, I went to an all girls school, but it was a, it was like, it wasn't a, you didn't pay to go there. It was a grammar school. So you had to pass an exam. So I suppose it was very achievement based. I hesitate because my experience of it is so different to my sister's experience of it. I won't speak about her experience directly because Uh, I haven't spoken to her to say I would, but of other people I know that went there, it was very led by your achievements, what grades you were going to get. It was all about getting A stars, getting the best, the best, the best. But my experience of it, I obviously, and I don't wish to sell myself down because I came out of it with some, I'm very proud of my results, but I had a very laid back approach to it, I think. And some of the kind of like, must achieve, must achieve, which a lot of the students there found a bit stressful. I think I was, I had a kind of like, I'm okay with what I've done approach. I really loved English. And I was happy with what I was doing. So I could have definitely worked harder, could have achieved more. But I think I would thank my parents again for being like, we're proud of you, whatever you do. Um, And maybe they would see that as backfiring on them slightly because I could have got better grades. But I had a really enjoyable experience. But I could really see that there were other people struggling in terms of the results. That hugely as well, I'm looking back with rose tinted glasses because, in terms of like, there was some extremely disordered eating going on, all that kind of thing, and that's so important to me to try and foster, um, like a healthy approach to all of that with the children, both of them, in the way that we talk about bodies and food and things like that. And then, um, so what you said is kind of like, I think maybe 30 years ago, ever it was like, don't take up too much space and be quite quiet. I'm hopeful that now we can be like, take up this space. <laughs> but in a really respectful way and like be really noisy, but sometimes you need to be a bit quiet, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah exactly. to be really confusing to them because when I hear it back, it's like, what? <laughs> so, um, but that's why I'm so hopeful that we can try and foster in them because I, I know exactly what you mean that like the, the narrative maybe when we were younger leads to some confusion for us, I think, because, I'm just so keen to do the right thing, to not get things wrong, to like, you know, well, you must do the right thing. And and I think that's important because I don't want to be a dick um, and I want to do the right thing, but it can stop you from doing things. I had the first experience the other day where someone asked me to enter for a poetry, this, um, like a performance, and I considered it and I'm extremely appreciative of being asked and being thought of. And I was like, I can't do that. I, I don't think I I don't think that's for me. I don't think I can do that. And I just thought, my word, wow. I'm I was really surprised at myself thinking I didn't want to do it and I was scared and it wasn't for me. And I was like, why is that then? And I think it was attached to age and things like that. And I thought, that's a real shame that I'm thinking that. And I don't really want to hear myself thinking that oh young people wouldn't want to hear me saying stuff or I was quite confused by it, Claire. I was just like, this is a real new thing. I spoke to my husband about it and I spoke to someone else. And they were just like, well, you know, just go for it, it's fine. And then if you decide you don't want to do it, then you don't, but don't prevent yourself from applying or, or putting yourself forward because of those kind of lacks of confidence or, or doubts in yourself. But I thought, wow, that's um, that's interesting. And I wonder, I'm really interested in the conversations about perimenopause and menopause and all of this kind of stuff. And Interested to take the conversations on to listen to them, but it really scares me. (laughs) I think the way that the conversations are going, I'm like, "Uh, Can I speak to the management because I did not sign up for that? Um, (laughs) so um, (laughs) when I had this kind of like doubt, I was thinking, Oh, god, is what is this? Is this this thing that's coming? Am I oh, god? So I'm really keen to seek out and I'm just trying to seek out now like experiences that people have had of the menopause or the perimenopause where they're being really open and honest about it. But there's a good ending because a lot of the things I've read recently, it's like quite, quite the journey and I'm fine. And we're going to strap in and like face it and do it together with everybody. Um, But yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so because how old are you, if you don't mind me I'm, asking? I'm 44. I'm you don't yeah. Look, forty-four. Oh, thank yes. you so much. But I think that's and that's part of the reason why I think that when um, we sh- struggled to have our second child, I think that was all sort of age-related. Hence, why I'm thinking, oh, are those doors going to be opening sooner than I possibly expected? But that's fine. Um, I just want to be educated around it, and then see what's going to happen. But in terms of like, I don't want it to cloud my judgment on taking things on. But again, I think this whole pandemic has had such an effect on my confidence and anxiety levels like there's a constant I've got constant low level buzz of like anxiety and worry and I think that's a shame if that stops us doing things and I thought yeah I am scared of this opportunity and I'm still gonna try and see what happens because that's a good example for the children as well.
0: It totally is because I agree. I'm I'm 36, but I I did feel for some reason this kind of pull to be less because I'm I'm older, but not just because I'm older, but because I'm a mother. Yes, yes. I'm pull yeah. to not be as vocal and not want things for yourself that you should only want things for your kids, and that it's selfish to sit in that and do new things and try new things because mothers should be selfless
1: hugely yeah I hugely agree with that and it's kind of like we do ourselves a disservice and by saying we do ourselves a disservice I'm again putting the onus on us for doing something wrong but we do feel like we shouldn't do things or that it's somehow taking time away from us looking after our children I think the fact that we worry so much about it means that we're great mums because if we weren't worrying about it, then we, we wouldn't you know be doing the job that we hope that we're doing, I suppose. But we're doing the book launch, which I'm so excited about doing, but it's all around like, because I'm still breastfeeding, Mabel's up a lot. If she wakes up, she probably at the moment won't be able to go back to sleep unless I'm around, which is fine because they get up and they watch something calm on television and, and they have a cuddle, which is fine. But I'm trying to plan this launch and it's like, Um, it's just a couple of hours out but even then I know it'll be like oh I hope everything of course it's just natural to worry but you you have to still do the things um and maybe they take a slightly different shape and that's fine because it means that you're all getting to do something and the children are okay as well so I went out for my first night out about three or four weeks ago like (laughs) I stayed up too long and I drank the wrong drinks and um I felt so sad because Wes was like really late on going I'm really sorry but she's definitely not asleep still um probably need to come back now and he'd been so nice I thought oh bless you you have let me stay out so long and she's been up for so long and I just thought oh he, I just felt sorry. so. so was like oh my goodness yes I'm come back now and then um The next day, I was sick all day because I drank too much, and I just like this is rubbish. I need to get (laughs) like the balance here because I've had a great time, but then like my yeah, this is not quite worked. So from now on, I'm trying to do a little bit more of a like okay, two hours. That's that's great. Let's do some of that and um and enjoy it and 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 not feel guilty and you know make they're all safe and looked after. So.
0: Yeah, it is hard though, isn't it? When you realize that in order for the wheels not to fall off, everything you need to be in bed by <laughs> 9 o'clock, <laughs> you know, because everyone will be up overnight, and it becomes just a whole massive mess if you don't. And then yeah. the weighing, you know, the weighing up of also wanting to be a person who's autonomous and and has a life away from your kids too, which I think is important, so that you feel refreshed and revitalized and they see you having a life outside the kids as well I don't know but then when I'm there as soon as I leave I ring James and I'm like is everything all right he's like you've been gone for 10 minutes
1: everything is completely fine I know I have to like as I'm going out the door I'm shouting stuff like don't let them climb in the oven and it's like yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I'm ringing James being like so I just remembered
0: that maybe I left some of that jewelry and she could swallow that and it's just <laughs> on the bench because I was rushing out the door and he's like she's nowhere near the bedroom and I'm a, I'm an adult human being
1: who yeah, has eyes yeah,
0: yeah. I know what she's like she'd eat them I've like close the bedroom door it's
1: fine everything is good
0: yeah exactly it's a really Kind of hard tug and pull, isn't it? I know Elizabeth Gilbert writes about this as well, being a creative person and someone who has that kind of creative force when you become a mother, how you still maintain that side of yourself. How have you, how, is that is your poetry an expression of that, of you being able to hold on to
1: your creative self? Massively. Like I just really need it. I really need to be able to write and it's just my way of it's absolutely my coping mechanism and the coping mechanism but also that outlet for creativity because otherwise yeah I think I would feel that you're just literally like a vessel for enabling other things to happen all the time um so yeah and I cherish it I cherish that time and maybe that's why I'm looking forward to a period of time where I will have much more time to put into it so everything at the moment I can see. I, I love the journey of the books. I can really see the development that's happening in them. And they're very, by their very nature, they're something I think about, I think about, I think about. And I get onto the page very quickly, as I said earlier. So they're they're quite succinct, quite pithy. And I'm looking forward to exploring at a later date some longer form writing. But at the moment, this really works for me. And it, as a, it's like a need when they're in there. And it's like something I've really got to process. I, I marinate on it, marinate on it and it develops, it develops, it develops and then when the time is right i just be like right I can sit down and, and get this all onto the page and I just feel a whole lot better and like I've started to process that. I mean gosh the last two years has just been just overwhelming as you know you've, you're going through the same thing.
0: Yeah what was it like for you to give birth during the pandemic? I know that you wrote that beautiful poem Birth Plan. And I I mean, we both did the same thing, right? I gave birth in May and you gave birth maybe, was it the month before in April? Yeah. Yeah. What was it like then in the UK? I mean, we're in Australia, so we had a different experience here.
1: I think for me, it was because we'd gone through this pathway to get Mabel, the whole of the pregnancy was just like, let's just hope this works. Sort of that low level anxiety again throughout the whole pregnancy and just like wanting to get there wanting to get to the end line it was just like everything that came along was like uh-huh mm-hmm, right and you could feel still you know this knot in my stomach that still I mean I don't even know when it's all coming out maybe next year but just this like <laughs> knot of like feelings and just like the right okay we're just gonna absorb that because it was just like here's another thing here's nothing here's nothing your children are gonna be at home oh no one can be there you're gonna have to give birth to your own child by yourself down the end of the garden in a shed or something. I don't know, it's just a like constant, like, your. because pa- first of all, then it was like, oh, my parents, you know, the plug. goodness, I'm sure it's the same for you, it's like, my mum and dad, oh, we'll come for two weeks, we'll come, we can take Arthur out, will be great, you know, you can relax and look after the new baby, then it's like, oh, we probably can't come, we definitely can't come, or oh, we won't see you for a year. It's, you know, all these things. <laughs> so like giving birth in the hospital again was like, Wes can't be there. You can, you can, and it literally was that I had an induction, so for the induction process, he wasn't allowed to be there, and you had to be like, Give him a ring, yes, like, right <laughs> now, go, now's the time. Um, and it's you know, with an induction process or with the second, it's quite quick, so I was just like, Oh man, like, I hope we can get him there. But saying that, they were, I mean, the NHS was incredible, we were so well looked after. But it's quite a lot, isn't it, giving birth? I'm <laughs> just thinking back to it now. Oh, my gosh. Quite a day. Yeah. But it was all, it all came about. And she came and it was just like, you know, it was just a, ha, oh, the oh, child is here. And you know, just then everything, you just forget it all, don't you? And we were like, oh, she's really pretty. <laughs> we like, where did she come from? Oh. <laughs> and so that was really nice. But then, of course, because of how things go, Wes then had to leave. And he got some horrendous, like, norovirus from the hospital. Poor man. And so then he, whilst I was in hospital, he was in hospital. Because of that, it was just like, man, oh, man. And that has been just, I think that's just oh. been there. Yeah. The icing again. on the cake. Yeah. and but, but then in the next six to 12 months, we're constantly getting given these things, thrown these, catch, hold it, Ooh, it's another one, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think with the writing, his outlet is skating. He goes out and does that with the writing that's mine. And it's great because it's something I can do when I even though I may be in the house, I'm I'm in my own world and it's wonderful. And I love it dearly. I just love it so much. It's like it it's just reminds me of being young as well. And I remember writing as a as a young girl and how freeing that is to be able to work through the incredibly challenging things that all of us have to go through. And that's, you know, I am I paint a picture of everything's been like, ah, but it's also been, ah, at the same time, you know. It's, <laughs> it's been a difficult, it's been a challenging two years, but it's been a wonderful two years. And I've enjoyed being able to write about those things. And I want to remember them because time's flying by. And it's nice to be able to mm. to remember all of these things. Easy, and it, I'll it, be easy. able to write a poem again soon about that time. I tried to do a podcast and then my dad like constantly texts me. And I didn't know how to turn so that that's the next one <laughs> I can't wait till afterwards but I won't be able to like tell them because well hopefully mum will listen to this but she'll I can't be like oh well you know that podcast uh, got quite a lot of texts and they'll be like oh no I'm so sorry oh yes.
0: they sound like so supportive and beautiful and <laughs> on that actually I wanted to ask you about the poem dishes because mm. it strikes me that you have a wonderful partner i'm just imagining from the sounds of it a wonderful skater yeah, partner amazing. could you tell us about the poem dishes and <laughs> yes. what you, how, what it means
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because i was we are having a chat about i'm trying to think about how i can phrase this so well and delicately um in advance so we were having a discussion about how some people within relationships might become frustrated if there's a lack of intimacy and I was just saying well I think that I think we were we must have been watching something or something was sparked off from something we were discussing and it was just like the woman wasn't necessarily particularly enthusiastic and I was like well she's probably got quite a lot to do hasn't she so (laughs) She's probably uh, got quite a lot washing up to do and whatever it is, I don't know, that's going on, like all the stuff she's got to do. So maybe, you know, she's a bit tired. Um, and that's not yeah. in the forefront of her mind in the tiredness when, you know, a child's eating a table, you know. Something yeah, exactly.
0: It. It's not very sexy when you're looking around. There's like half-folded washing and something in the dryer that you've left there and there's all the dishes in the sink and then yeah. like someone's like thrown up on the couch. It's not like overly you know there's bills sort of sitting around everywhere
1: yeah and you I know. was just saying to him that like it's all about how you phrase it I was thinking you know if you were to say "God, oh, you know we haven't done it in a while shall we you know that's probably not the most romantic delivery whereas if you're to be like do you know what I've done the washing up you ever sit down you might be like oh that's very attractive That is a really attractive thing, and you're like, oh, (laughs) well, it's just yeah. So that's where that comes from. Where it's just literally again about communication and how you can help that, how you can use communication to to just help your relationship work in a nice way. And like, I think also things aren't transactional. I just think all these things along the way help each other to just try and have a slightly easier path. Someone making you a cup of tea, you know, or just being like, how's your day? You must be tired. Yeah, just, just wash, just a bit of washing up might, you know, might just, help just, things along. Yeah, just and do something for each other. Mm,
0: totally. I once got given some beautiful advice. Actually, it might have been the comedian Patton Oswalt, so not directly to me, you know, in a comedy special. But still, yeah. he was talking to lots of people, and it was yeah. just about: it's chaos, be kind. And I often think about that in terms of relationships. I think when I was younger, I thought it was all about who they were for me and what I could imagine him doing for me. And I and my dad actually said this to me, that really when you think about it, and if you're both thinking about your relationship being for the other person, when it's truly equal like that, it means that you cut each other some slack, you yeah, know? And you realize absolutely. life is bloody hard. And yeah. we're not we're not perfect. We can't expect the other person to be perfect. But those tiny little things, the doing of the dishes, make life just that much easier and make your relationship work. I know Esther Perel talks about this too that sort of desire for women, or for me anyway, and I know for a lot of women, is built in those small moments. Like it might yeah. start in the morning when someone makes you a coffee and says, You want to lie in and I'll get the kids breakfast or something. And it starts with a hand on the small of your back. Yeah, while you're doing beautiful. the dishes in the kitchen you know and then it, yeah. it builds over the day and I've, I've actually tried to talk to my partner about this because I don't know if men and this is such a spectrum because human beings are all different but for my man anyway and I sneakily suspect he's similar to some others as well it doesn't have to be a story for him he's just like oh, oh I feel like it she looks good you want to you know off we go whereas yeah. I think for women it's it's deeper than that right it's often there's a story a narrative a building of something
1: yeah massively like I heard it was so beautiful this morning I could hear Wes like talking to the children going like oh you're you got a good one there haven't you and you're just like oh you're so lovely and like when I see him doing like lovely things with the children I'm just like it's just so it's just lovely yeah and yeah I suppose it is just this build-up of like oh yeah yeah, You're a good
0: lovely. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's so lovely, and that's kind of what that evoked that dishes poem for me. I just, it was just so glorious. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Tiny lungs I loved. And I wanted to ask you again. I'm kind of jumping all over the place because that's the way my brain works. It suits my brain very well. Oh, good. Excellent. Replay mm. slash rewind.
1: Do you want to talk to us about that poem? Yes, that is. I, um, I'm just preoccupied with like the passing of time very much in my writing and the magnitude of that. I have to like, I have to allow myself periods of time to think about it and then I have to be like, stop <laughs> and move on because the, the magnitude of the passing of time and just not wanting to miss anything, not wanting to miss anything with these glorious children. I mean, god i like adore obviously everyone does i just adore them so much that i'm just trying to take snapshots and remember all of these things because it's like unbearable (laughs) how time is passing i look at arthur and i you know just telling him every day how much like i love you so much (laughs) you know i mean I'm sure he'll think back and be like, she said that a lot, didn't she? Um, <laughs> it's just that just trying to capture it, um, just trying to remember it. And I'm sure it's the same. You know, you have this long, long day and you think, gosh, sometimes you think dinner time, bedtime. I'm keen to get them to bed. And then afterwards I think, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. And there you're like looking at your phone, looking at pictures of them, just like, I love you. Um so just des- this desperation to capture it. And I feel the we've done a classic thing with Mabel where, you know, we've got reams and reams of video of Arthur and look Arthur, it's a it's a chip on the floor. And he's like, oh you know, and for her it's just like, Oh, she's 25, quick, get a graduation. Um so I'm just again keen to be like stop and try and get like videos of of her as well. And so that with replay rewind, it's just literally a desperate attempt to try and capture this time on the page. I try so hard, I'm constantly trying to write that poem. And these are just iterations of it again and again and again, of trying to like kind of time stamp onto paper and burn it in my mind <laughs> so I can like remember. And this year, again, this is one of the surprises that came along. I've developed this chronic eye condition where I, I was really losing my sight. <laughs> again, sense of humor is coming into it. And that's been an overwhelming piece of information. So I can't really see very well out of my left eye now. And it's devastating to me, the thought that I won't be able to see the children's faces. It's a really hard piece of information (laughs) to kind of take on board. So these poems, again, take on a, a form of trying to somehow write these things down onto paper to sort of forge the memory of when they were written and what I was looking at, things like that. So there'll be more of them (laughs) just trying to kind of like capture it all really um Mm. but yeah I'm I'm hopeful I do a lot of squinting like just seeing that (laughs) it's just a it's like a hormone related thing I think so I'm hopeful that my right eye will stay well I don't even it's such a new thing I'm not quite sure what the correct terminology is around that but yeah I think a lot of my writing now is going to be dealing with those kind of things and um the aging process Try as I said at the start of this little piece, I kind of allow myself pockets of the day to think about things like that, because you can get lost down those rabbit holes and you don't necessarily need to. I think they're good ones to go down because it gives you a huge amount of gratitude and it's good to um, have them as a parallel with all the other wonderful things. And it also gives you a huge amount of perspective when your daughter has jumped in mud or poo <laughs> and they're you know freshly <laughs> dressed and you're just like oh you know come on everything's okay. We'll crack on. So yeah, replay rewind. I haven't got uh, that one up. I don't have I've got some of the poems up, and that one actually I might put in Arthur's room, I think.
0: I love that. Uh, it's so beautiful.
1: I'm so I'm sorry that's
0: happening to you. That's
1: it's <laughs> yes. not fair. Bloody hell, universe. Ugh, I know so it's black. <laughs> it's uh, but it's again it's just a new one that I'm working out. That one, it's not. It's not like a definite. We don't quite know what's happening with that, so we'll we'll just wait and see. But again, you know, I get to see things slightly differently. It's like <laughs> try and throw like some kind of positive. Didn't think that was going to happen. So yeah, no. Yeah. The, the older that you get,
0: hey, life tends to just throw more things at you, and you realize how little control you have over what's going to happen. And if you think about that too much, it's scary. But I also find in the hardest times there's also kind of life becomes a bit technicolour and you see Oh, wonderful,
1: wonderful expression, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, in that kind of real clarity. It's like you wrote that phrase, the light on a sequin.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: And I just,
1: I loved
0: that writing too for that reason because it is it's that like tiny glint of something. It's so beautiful, but so fleeting. And I, and I can see that in your writing. That's kind of what it evokes for me. And yeah. And I just, yeah, I just loved it. I loved all your writing. I could just, I've talked to so many people about it because I just think
1: it's so special. Thank you so much. So appreciate it. Like hugely that I was so fortunate to have that Pandora Sykes recommendation because it opened up some wonderful connections for me it's just wonderful I love chatting with you I feel like you know I've known you for years and all these connections that it has created has been it's magical it's lovely particularly when the pandemic was going on because you're just like life's great life's amazing you know and like it's Mm. there is so much to cherish and so much to be thankful for Mm. and yeah it is that that when it is a bit difficult There's the light on the sequin to remember all the stuff that's like amazing now has been amazing and some amazing things to to remember. Mm, Absolutely.
0: That reminded me of the poem Christmas Box as well because we, I think, Everyone has, that, has one, right, in their cupboard, well, I do, that you bring out and it's just this sort of rabble of <laughs> strange dangly things that you put on your tree. <laughs> and mine, mine's sort of a collection of wonderful rose gold, beautiful things that I bought before I had kids and now like <laughs> laminated like weird Santas and like
1: <laughs> cotton oh, man, yeah. on their faces and stuff.
0: Yeah, do you want to tell us about Christmas box?
1: Yeah, I think that's again the one the Christmas box in my mind is the one in my mum and dad's house where it really is that mix. of I think my mum was trying to like bring back the good ones like as we got a bit older as well, like we started to go to the special shop, the shop which isn't there anymore and get the ones like every year we'd get one new special one. And that would be like I could see maybe that's like maybe that's a, a part of the womanhood thing that you have this transition, the bauble transition where you have the beautiful ones, then they get a bit crazy and then you like slowly try and get the other ones back in again. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just reminds me of this box and at the bottom you've still got it, it even though she might be like, you know, the shinier ones are coming in, you've still got the weird like I don't I think it's like shredded wheat like sleigh which is very bent and i think most of the things have come off and you just look at it and you're like oh i love that sleigh <laughs> and like you know the this the, the like glitter bits and things and i just love that even then like my mom and dad are like there's the sleigh that's coming out and it's just it's just lovely it's absolutely i mean it just sums up so much about families where you're all vying for this notion of what you think might happen but really it's just this crazy little box (laughs) with all of you in it and like that's why you love it and you wouldn't change it for the world and you know what if someone came along and said your box is kind of like you've got some odd stuff in there you'd be like it's my box you know it's like don't don't say anything about our box because it's amazing (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's just like that's the beauty of families because yes Mabel's eating wires jumping in the mud but you're like you know, and you might have your moment of thinking like, oh, OK, what time can we leave? You know, but you're, if anyone else was to criticise, you'd be like, Mabel, jump in that mud. Yeah. Get another wire, eat that, um, you know, because they're yours. And I'm literally looking at our tree right now. And this year, Arthur has decorated that on Saturday with the most pride. And it looks, <laughs> it <is. laughs> I reckon our tree looks very similar to your tree right now. <laughs> <laughs> top half very busy bottom half not much going on yeah, um, no. and as each day passes it the baubles are moving up because <laughs> Mabel's breaking everything because we were putting them on we were like oh Arthur here's the one that you made oh no don't eat that <laughs> like, it's just becoming yeah it's quite top heavy but it will be a thing of beauty yeah. and, and, oh, and we've got our box now yeah so our box of like uh the misshapen things all bunged in coming out every year and we'd absolutely love it
0: yeah our christmas tree my son decorated with pride and it has a love letter to santa on the top oh. of it with a transformer in gray lead written on the front yes <laughs> so good 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 anyway oh. he's done it well he's
1: done it well so funny. but it's not like that the hours of work that go in it's just like when they're doing all that joint it's just Oh my heart, isn't it? Just like, I love you. Yes. <laughs> don't I stop know. George. Please. I'm so like, have you heard that thing? Like, I don't know, I can't remember who phrased it, but they say like, as your children go through their teenage years, it's the worst breakup you've ever gone through. And I am not <laughs> ready. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I know it's a long time coming, but that's why it's just like every day, like just staying in again, yeah? Staying in, good. Let's all stay in together. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes, that's what happens to me. I leave the house and then I'll see a friend for coffee. And on the way, I'll be thinking, these moments I'll never get back again. And James is like, We're literally eating wheat in front, around the kitchen table.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she's like, like 19 months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but goodness.
0: it is, I know I, I read a, a piece of writing that broke my heart. That was that with your son, especially, it's like a breakup. And also that motherhood is like a series of small griefs because each little person oh, that wow. you meet at that time you'll never see again because they get older each time. I'm gonna make you cry again. And I've already cried, that, so that
1: <laughs> is amazing. I'm taking that. That's giving me goosebumps. Oh do you know the amount of people in my life are gonna be like, Well, Life is like all these series of. I'm having that. That's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Oh, I love yeah. that.
0: Oh, look, it wasn't me that wrote it. I think it was a a writer in Australia called Mia Friedman. Oh, so I have she to write that did down. very
1: well. I have to write that down. That's amazing. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, also, I can play it back. I don't need to take notes. No.
0: But but take the note, go for it. I think that's really worth it. And, look, I know we've reached an hour, so I'm conscious that you have kids and life to get back to. But I feel like I could talk
1: to you forever. Let's be friends. Can we be friends? please. Yeah, well, I'm having you. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's okay. Yeah. Honestly, it's like an absolute treat for me. I, like, knew. I was like, yes, I can't wait for this. So, yeah, I've loved talking with you. Thank you. Oh, I've loved it too, and I really
0: think that a lot of people will get a lot out of it as well. I think we're all going to go and research perimenopause and menopause and try and figure out what the bloody hell we're in for. That's what I think. Yeah. (laughs) After this as well. Well, congratulations. It's absolutely beautiful, your new book, These Are My Thank Delicious you. Sandwiches.
1: Yeah, I should show you. So this is – it should be. Yours is on its way to you, so I'm really oh, hopeful. I'm that, so um, excited. Yeah, I hope it won't take long. It's, do you know what? I mean, I haven't even mentioned Brexit. So that's causing a few hold-ups, our end, but hopefully that will it will be with you soon. So, yeah, that's on um, – there's a link by my Instagram where you can go and find the books and the postcards and my shop. Oh.
0: Thank you. Just just because for for a curious little mind, what do you mean by Brexit's causing the
1: holdups? We've just had a lot of problems in terms of things being uh, distributed in terms like changing the way that we're packaging things up, changing the way that that, how much the postage is. It's just causing lots of problems. Yeah, it's just it's just a little bit painful. But I mean, I'm just extremely (laughs) anti-Brexit. I mean I'm sure it could rain and I'd be like Brexit um but yeah <laughs> I'm just yeah. so against it but yeah it's just cause for me it I think in terms of um I've been really fortunate that I've sold a lot of books in Australia probably because of your good self and also in America so in terms of shipping them out I was really keen to do things independently it's just the shipping costs are so high now but again, it's also due to the pandemic. There's a lot of holdups with things. Things taking a long time to ship across. So I hope it won't mm. take too long. And
0: all you joys. can join
1: me soon for my uh, hour-long discussion on Brexit and the problems <laughs> it's caused. I should probably oh, really? do that. No, I should, I should do oh. that. I should do <laughs> oh, I that. Thought, I thought you meant that you were giving a speech. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could join
0: you on Zoom. Excellent. I'll be there. I'll have to <laughs> listen do. to all of it.
1: Just be like an hour of me like swearing or something like yes. that. <laughs> oh
0: god, yeah. that sounds to me like me on a regular day. One of my yeah. mum friends has something called, she calls the and excuse my language the fuck cupboard, and it's not <laughs> for what you think it would be for. It's for her to open the cupboard when she's with her kids and just go fffffff into the cupboard, shut the door, <laughs> and then
1: yes, of course I'll get you another sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what I need I definitely need a fuck cupboard because my son is like constantly like oh you said the f-word again and I'm like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> yes oh, we all no. we all we need to get our house renovated at some point and I definitely am definitely adding a fuck cupboard onto the <laughs> like <"Please rinse." laughs> that is like,
0: yeah. amazing yes, that's really how you are. can tell the designer I love yeah. it Fantastic. Well, I should ask you, before we go, why is it called These Are My Delicious Sandwiches? Your ah,
1: so this one, These Are My Delicious Sandwiches, was there's a poem in the book called Sandwiches and it's a line that's taken from it. And it was written because there's a few, I have a few issues with people stealing some of my creative work. And I also have some artist friends where their work gets stolen by big corporations And these are my delicious sandwiches. It's all about this is my work and this is my stuff. Don't steal it, please. I might lend you some, um, but please don't steal it. And going back to that, like, you know, just just asking before people take things. And these are my delicious sandwiches is all is I wanted to call the book this because it's about this is my stuff. This is my space. I'm not afraid to take it up. I'd really like to share it. And I want you to be proud of your sandwiches too I mean it gets a bit tenuous but um, I want you to be proud of your sandwiches too and to own them and to be to be proud of them and share them when you want but people can't steal them so that's that's the uh pretty succinct uh explanation about what that is but yeah and I love it I'm so pleased with the title I love it because it's like yeah and Mabel you have your sandwiches you enjoy them and you'd be proud of your sandwiches and after two. They're like, and share them when yes. you want, but people can't take them. Don't share pictures of them on the internet, though. <laughs> <I think>.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are private sandwiches just for yes. the people that you want to share them with in person. Yes. Private, <laughs> not online. We're not yes. going there. No, yes. thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, my. This is like literally the discussion points are so vast, aren't they? Oh, yes. I know, so that, I know. we've that. just. We pinged around like ping balls in a machine, and I. But you know
0: what? That's how my brain works, and yes. I really appreciated it. So thank you so much, Jo This has been such a pleasure, and I'll. Oh, no. I've what a joy! I can't thank wait for so people much. to I'll get to know you more because you're so much fun. So, oh, it,
1: honestly, likewise. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Ah, oh, you're welcome.
0: And there we have it. Don't you just want to go and grab a coffee with Jo? Wonderful. Anyway, I've been Claire Tonti, and this week you've been listening to a podcast with Joanna Bennett, the poet Tatterhood. You can find Jo on Instagram at Tatterhood underscore or on her website, Tatterhood.co.uk, where you can order copies of all her books. A definite recommendation, especially if you need gifts for new parents too. You can find me at Claire Tonti on Instagram or on my other podcast, Suggestible, which comes out every Thursday with man James Clement. If you're after some recommendations for what to watch, read and listen to, head on over there. If you'd like to email the show, you can do so at tonspot at gmail.com. And super excitingly this year, the wonderful Maisie has jumped on our team and is creating an Instagram account for Taunts, which you can follow along at Pod. that's at T-O-N-T-S-P-O-D. Or you can also do the same thing for our Suggestible Podcast at Suggestible Pod. So that's all over there on Instagram for weekly updates or daily updates really, and we'd love to hear from you over there. As always, thank you to Raw Collings for editing this week's episode and a super special thank you to Joe for making the time to talk to me. All right, till next week, see you soon. Bye.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.